Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Silent War podcast, another episode. Uh, a lot has happened since the last time I recorded an episode. That's why it's been almost two weeks since I recorded. Uh, as some of you don't know, I had surgery uh, November 22nd. <clears throat> uh, some of it went good. Uh, the surgery in itself went good. Uh, day after Thanksgiving, that Friday, I had some complications. Uh, how to get rushed to the ER. Uh, needless to say, there's a long recovery up ahead. It's a long recovery, uh, a long road. Uh, so pretty much what they did is they went in, took a huge chunk of tissue out of my lower back uh, that was infected. It had infected tissue in it that was causing um, severe pain. So they went in, took it out, and they replaced it with a uh, a flap of the skin and they put that flap of the skin over it stitch it up um, layers upon layers inside the skin then um, dissolvable obviously then they glued the top but they put a tube in there to uh, it's like a catheter to leak out into this little bubble and I currently still have the tube on um, I have to get it out on Monday uh, it's pretty gross it just it's a tube coming out of my lower back constantly draining blood into this little bulb um then i have to squeeze it out every now and then to uh it's called milking it but uh yeah it it hurts a lot it, it's pretty painful um i have to accept that it's a very limited on movement on what i'm able to do uh for for a long time um and what happened that friday it was was a. Uh, uh, in my eyes, pretty scary. It's something I never experienced. Um, that that night, I was rushed to the ER. Had to call 911 to bring an ambulance and um, haul me off. Uh, I had a 104 fever. Um, felt like my brain was melting. I, I had no idea who I was, what was going on, uh, for a little bit of the time. And um, long story short. I had to stay a couple of days and nights in the hospital. Um, had a whole bunch of antibiotics. I was fighting a, uh, apparently I was fighting an infection that they didn't know I had. They said it was from the surgery. Uh, they had complications while they had me opened up and it caused an infection that was under the tissue and they had to eradicate it before it got really bad and they had to go back in. Uh, they, so luckily I had the drainage tube in um, to get a lot of that blood out and to funnel it through. Well, those couple of days really sucked. Uh, it was three in the morning on Friday, so right after Thanksgiving, and uh, it it was really bad. I just I hated it, and but I'm getting better now. Still on antibiotics, uh, still pushing through, still bleeding. Uh, the The wounds are healing, and um, it's 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 gonna be a road, a road to recovery. But um, I'm looking forward to it. I understand what's in front of me. Um, this is one of those underdog moments. I appreciate what I talked about in my last video when I explained that I was nervous uh, for the surgery because um, it could go wrong. And in a sense, it did. But in the outcome of that video, it was me explaining that no matter how much I stress about it, there's nothing I can do to change it. So I stopped stressing about it. I knew there was nothing I could do to change it. And it went kind of bad. And it went wrong in a sense, and uh, they fixed it. I'm feeling a lot better now. I'm moving around a lot more. 
Uh, but hopefully this surgery worked. I, I really hope it worked because, I mean, this is my second one in the same site, and uh, this is more invasive surgery. So uh, it, it, it was, it's going to be a journey, and I, I can't wait to get back to where I want to be, and I'm hungry for it. And in a sense, I'm mad, and I have anger right now, but because I'm just so stuck in my in my body to be able to do a certain amount of just being able to walk or lay down or sit down um starting from the ground up you know i'm already i can see that i'm already losing muscle um and that was way before the surgery too because i had to limit my workouts because of this thing i had to get surgery on uh so i mean it was way before the surgery uh, a couple weeks before the surgery now we're a couple weeks after the surgery i'm starting to notice i'm losing muscle not necessarily getting fat, I'm just, I'm not what I was. And to me to see that face to face uh, in the mirror and take a deep breath and understand that there's nothing that I can do about it and I'm gonna come back stronger than I was before. Uh, it makes me feel good, but at the same time, I have that fire um, to move, to move forward and to progress and to be able uh, to be better than who I was. And this is, definitely not going to stop me uh this is actually going to fire me up to try harder and to do harder and uh to be a better version of myself honestly uh you, this surgery can't put me down my past surgeries didn't put me down and they didn't hold me down and i came back and i got knocked down i got back up and i kept moving and kept moving forward and this is one of those things of obstacle in life i get punched in the face punch right in the mouth and get knocked down and I got to recover from the surgery get back up and move forward and be better so uh it it's pretty simple um don't tear open the stitches and just recover and that's all I can do right now and it's it's like I said it's gonna be a good journey but I hope everyone had a good Thanksgiving um hope everyone got fat I just ate until their heart exploded. Um, but uh, I have something I want to I want to watch with you all today. Uh, I don't know if you ever heard of him, but Jordan Peterson. Uh, this guy is absolutely amazing. I, and I can't tell you all the degrees he has and everything, but uh, this guy got me a lot through my rough times. And... He's not necessarily a motivational speaker. He's uh, more of a teacher and, and, in a sense, a therapist as well. Uh, but I listen to him a lot, and especially when I'm at the gym, uh, driving, all that, um, because what you feed your head, um, your your head's gonna, your brain's gonna digest. And you know, if you listen to negative music all the time and sad music, you tend to be sad. And same thing with mad music, and you just get bad attitudes. But I like to listen to Jordan Peterson because uh, he speaks straight from the heart. He speaks straight from the brain. And how he provokes himself is uh, very vibrant. And um, it, it's very it's very nice. And when I went through all my, my really hard times uh, last year, um, I listened to him a lot. Because when I wanted to give up and quit, I just listened to this guy and... Uh, it was almost like a, in a sense, like get back up, quit feeling sorry for yourself, no one cares type ordeal, and which I like, I respond to that well. 
sorry, I have to adjust. It's like lower back is like hitting everything. It's it's like the worst place you can get cut open because it's constantly like touching something. So it's nice. It's a nice wound too. It's like it's like that big, that that long of a incision on the uh, right there, right above the uh, the butt. So, but yeah, I, I want to share this with y'all. It's really good. Uh, it's about a 12 minute video, especially around the podcast. You can listen to it as well. Um, it's nice. So, uh, yeah, let's get to it. In life, you find the meaning that sustains you in life, and you find the patterns of action that redeem the world. Nietzsche said that you could tell much about a man's character by how much truth he could tolerate, which is very interesting. You know, there's an, an idea in, 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 the, in the great Western tradition that the truth is the way and the path of life, and that no one comes to the Father except through the truth. And I believe that to be the case, because I don't think that you can manifest who you are without the truth. And so I think it's, it's, it's literally and metaphorically true that the pathway to who you could be if you were completely who you were is through the truth. And so the truth does set you free, but the problem is, is that it destroys everything that isn't worthy in you as it sets you free. And that's, that's a process of burning. And it's, it's painful because you cling to what you shouldn't be. Um, partly out of pride and partly out of ignorance and partly out of laziness. And, and so then you encounter something true. And you all know this. You all know this perfectly well. Because when was the last time that you learned something important that wasn't a, a blow of, of some sort? You know, and, and it's often you look back at your life and you think, oh, God, I really learned something there. I wouldn't want to do that again. But it really changed my life. I mean, sometimes it can really destroy you, you know, an encounter with the truth. And you never really recover. But... Now and then, something comes along and straightens you out, and a lot of you has to go. A lot of you has to burn away. You know, and, and, and I suppose in some sense, the idea is that everything about you that isn't worthy is to be put into the flames. All right, a note on that. Um, what, what he's talking about is, you know, you're, you're getting molded into a new person. Um, if you want to change and you want to be your true self, you have to get rid of your bad side and pretty much your sin. You got to wash away your sin and you got to wash away, uh, the unworthy side of you. And, uh, from the stuff I went through last year, um, the person I was then before it happened to after, uh, was completely a different person. And, uh, it changed me a lot, and it molded me into a person that is truly better than what it was a couple years ago. And and now I'm um, I'm free, you know I'm I'm free within myself. I forgave myself, and I I'm not blaming myself anymore. And I shed off the unworthy ashes of my body. And now it's a new shell, and it's a new person, a new chapter, a new life. And once you feel it, you know, because you just, it feels breathtaking, honestly. So it, it's an amazing feeling. And that's, that's another reason to be not so casual about claiming what you believe, because it isn't 
something that you undertake without due caution. You know, I learned when I was a kid, about 25 or so, a little older than a kid, that almost everything that I said was one form of lie or another. And I wasn't any worse, I would say, than the people that I was associating with, or any better. And, and the lies were manifold, you know, they were attempts to win arguments for the sake of winning the argument, that might be one. Um, attempts to indicate my intellectual prowess when there were competitions of that sort. Maybe just the, um, the sheer pleasure of engaging in an intellectual argument and winning. My inability to distinguish between ideas that I had read and, and incorporated because I had read but hadn't realized that I hadn't yet earned the right to use all of that. And, you know, I had this experience that lasted a long time. While I would say it's really never gone away, that, and I think this was the awakening of my conscience, essentially. This voice, for lack of a better word, made itself manifest inside me. And it said every time I said something that wasn't true. And that's usually what it said. That's not true. You don't believe that. Or, or there was a sensation that was associated with it. I don't think this is that uncommon, you know. I asked my psychology classes for many years in a row if um, they had an experience, this experience, that they had a voice in their head, let's say, it's a metaphor, or a feeling that communicated to them when they were about to do something wrong. And it was universally the case that people agreed with one of those statements or another. And the other thing I would ask is, well, do you always listen to it? And of course, the answer to that was definitely no. Well, you know, I learned that so much of what I was doing was false. And I think I learned this. See, I, there was a reason that this came to me so clearly. I was trying to understand why people did terrible things. And I was really concentrating on the terrible, terrible things that people do. And uh, I was interested in Auschwitz, for example, and, and not, in, not as a political phenomenon, but as a, as a psychological phenomenon. I was curious about how you could be an Auschwitz guard. And I wasn't really cu curious about how you could be one, because, well, you could be one, of course. I was more curious about how I could be one being such a good person as I thought I was. And, but I also knew that people, many people, did many terrible things during the 20th century. And the idea that I was somehow better than them, or that I should assume a priori that I was better than them, and that I wouldn't have made the same choices or worse had I been in the same situation, was a very, very, very dangerous supposition. And that we really needed to understand why it happened, and that perhaps we could go deep enough in that understanding, which is, I think, what happens when you go deep into understanding, so that you could stop it. Because if you, if you understand a problem, maybe you can solve it. You know, and at least in part, I came to believe that the problem was, as Solzhenitsyn said, that the problem is, is that the line between good and evil runs down every human heart. And I re was reading Jung at the same time, you know, and he believed that the human soul was a tree whose roots grew all the way to hell. 
and believed also that in the full investigation of the shadow, which was the dark side of the human psyche, was that it was bottomless, essentially, that, that, that it was like an experience of hell. And that also struck me as true. And that the way to stop those sorts of things from happening was to stop yourself from being the sort of person who would do it, who would even start to do it. Because the other thing you learn when you learn about atrocities of that sort, for me, it was a matter of understanding that the way to stop such things to, from happening, the way to remember properly is to understand that, that you could do it, that you could do those terrible things because the people who did them were like you. And that the way out of that is to stop being like that. And the way you stop being like that is by stop, by ceasing to tell yourself lies that you don't believe in. And then... Do you, do you know people that do that? I mean, I'm, I'm a victim of it is, and I know exactly what he's talking about is when you lie, you, to even win a small, um, a small argument and, or a story, you want to one up someone's story and you just lie. And uh, I know a lot of people that do that. And a lot, I mean, a lot of people manifest themselves off of a lie and off of themselves and um, they live that lie. They make it their own truth. And it's like they map out in their head that what really didn't happen actually happened. And they told themselves it's the truth. And, but in reality, it's a lie. But they're so wrapped up in that lie, they think it's the truth. And they go around talking about it. Uh, that's, a very, that's a very big thing I see these days. And, and the ages he was saying is, I mean, mostly the, you know, the teens through the um, mid-20s. Um, it happens a lot. And I used to do it when I was, you know, 18, 19, um, just to feel cool and, like, part part of the group. I would I would lie about numbers or something that so I could, like, be a part of it so people would accept me. Um, just that was 18. I mean, that was, like, six years ago. And uh, who that was who I am now, now I don't, I don't care. I don't care uh, what people think of me. I don't care if you like me or not. I don't care if you talk um, crap about me behind my back. You know, you just keep it behind my back so I don't hear it. Uh, and um, those people will always be there, um, especially if you're trying to pursue something that isn't probable and, and the people around you are doubting you. Let them doubt you. You know, don't, don't hide it. You know, just push it out there. Push it out there, receive the negative, positive feedback, and keep moving. Because at the end of the day, those people that are judging you and they're, they're talking crap about you are the ones that get nowhere in life. And 20 years down the road, they're still doing the same thing because they're too scared to accept what other people may think about them. So they, they hide in their own herd of sheep. And uh, they stay in their fence line, you know, and uh, they never go anywhere. That you know you shouldn't act out. And, you know, and that's made a huge difference in my life, for better or for worse. I mean... It, 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 it was very uncanny experience, I would say, because it's very discombobulating to experience yourself as 
fragmented enough so that much of what you do and say is actually false. Who says building websites as a team Ads. has to be an impossible task? With editor... It's a lot of work to clean that up. I'm not paying for ad blocker, so we're just going to have to roll through the ads. Sorry. A lot. But the consequences are, in principle, worthwhile. And so that was part of what, what drove me towards clinical psychology, say, in a way from political science and law and from politics in general, because I started to believe that, and I think this is the great Western idea, the proper route forward for the redemption of the individual and for mankind as a whole is as a consequence of the redemption of each individual. And I truly believe that. And I believe that that occurs as a consequence of adherence to the truth and courage in the face of being. That's rule one, right? To stand up straight with your shoulders back is to take on the onslaught and to enter the contentious ring and to do your and to do and to do more than your best because your best isn't enough because your best isn't as good as you could be you have to push yourself past that and and that's as far as i can tell where you find what you need in life you find the meaning that sustains you in life and you find the patterns of action that redeem the world both at the same time i mean life is a very difficult business you know it's it's fatal and it's full of suffering and it's and it's full of betrayal and malevolence there's nothing about it that's trivial it's all profound and in order to find your way through all of that 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 capacity for hellish experience let's say you need to develop a relationship with something that's profound and you can you have that capacity and what could be more profound than the truth? And what would you rather have on your side? And you might say, well, that's obvious. And of course, everyone should do that. And then you need to know why you don't. And the answer is, well, the burns are still healing. It's like, well, you know, there's no shortage of deadwood to burn off. And, and there's no shortage of pain when the deadwood burns off. And that's what makes people afraid of the truth. And so... What's the decision that you make? You know, you decide to believe. You know, it's a That's the absolute biggest thing. <clears throat> Excuse me. Is in order for you to move on, uh, if it was a, a breakup or a divorce or something, a death, you know, a best friend or a family, uh, the... The only way you can move on efficiently is loving yourself, forgiving yourself, and understanding the truth. And loving yourself is a very big uh, process. It's a very long process. Um, it's like the burns are still healing, like you said. And if you, if you stay in that rut and you don't move forward while you're healing... Uh, you're not going to find where you should be. And uh, you have to, if you did something bad and um, you have a good soul and you're a good character and uh, you, you wish you never did it, you, you, you can't go back and grab that piece of time and take it back.
you can't. It's part of history. So all you can do is forgive yourself and love yourself and move on and make yourself better. But you can't sit there in your own sorrow and not get out of bed because it happened. You know, if you look back into the past, you tend to stay in it. So you have to move forward and you have to understand that nothing changes the past, but you can change your future. And it starts with day-to-day opportunities and getting up and putting everything you have into your day. And that, that huge relationship you have to have with um, an entity is the truth and yourself. And you have to have a, a great relationship with yourself because if you don't, uh, you you doubt yourself. You don't like your your brain dictates so much of your life because of what you do to daily activities and how you how you compose yourself and trauma physical emotional trauma can affect that but you have to get through it and you have to keep pushing forward and moving forward because if you don't you start burying yourself down and it's a hole you have to climb out of but you have to forgive yourself and you have to love yourself first in order to move forward it's a risk, an existential risk. It's an act of faith. You believe that the truth can set you free. You believe that people have an intrinsic divinity about their soul. You decide that you're going to live in that manner and that you're going to let everything about yourself that isn't worthy of that goal die. And that might be almost everything that you are. And that's a terrible thing to contemplate. The only thing that's worse, I would say, is the alternative. Because the alternative is the sorts of hells that we manage to produce around us and that we produced with particular expertise during the totalitarian regimes of the 20th century. And it would be a good thing if we decided collectively and individually not to go back there again. Thank you. It's absolutely great. And that, that's Jordan Peterson, in case you don't know. Um, I highly suggest uh, you look him up. I listen to his YouTube videos. I actually haven't seen that one yet. Um, but I watch all of his YouTube videos, and... They're amazing. You really get in depth. He's so great at talking to and, and digging into the roots of um, a conversation and, and your own feelings. And it makes you reflect yours. Uh, but yeah, you got to check him out. Um, is He's a, a really great person to listen to, especially in hard times. When you're out of those hard times, he's also great. Like it's, You just need to go listen to him. He's awesome. Sorry about that. Had to um, change out this gauze and drain out this blood and stuff in the tube. You know, fun, fun stuff. Um, yeah, super. He's a super great guy. I love his videos. It's awesome. This one's really good. We're on a Jordan Peterson kick for this podcast, by the way. Uh, 
for the videos. I like doing the videos. I had the idea to uh, to be able to watch videos, break them down, and see um, to see them. But yeah, because right now um, having a podcast is just like me, myself, and I. Um, I don't have the capabilities to have other people to come in and do the podcast yet. Eventually, I will. Eventually, I'll have um, this expansion where I can bring people in and talk to them and have them on have them on the show. That that's going to be awesome. One day it will happen. No, not May or I'll, I'll try to. No, it will happen. It's a lot of effort, but it will happen. Uh, it just takes time and effort. But I like the videos and doing that. Um, I'm not saying I'll do it every single time, but uh, every now and again is really good uh, watching this because this may expose you all to be able to watch um, things you've never seen before. And it um, at first watching these videos. Um, no one recommended Jordan Peterson to me. I, I kind of came across him. And I was like, when I was going through the stage, when I went, was going through my divorce last year, um, I used the analogy of a washing machine of emotions in my head. So one day I was happy. The other day I was, I was pissed off. Or even not even like days. It was like hours. So uh, you don't know what to think going through that traumatic situation. Um, so I came across him, and I kind of gassed him off at first. And I was like, no one's going to really tell me. I had, like, the smart aleck chip on my shoulder, teenage attitude going through stuff. And then I started listening to him, and I started spending hours listening to him. And I was like, oh, my God. I was like, this guy has a lot to say. And he really speaks to it. And he doesn't, like, he doesn't bullshit it. He really speaks directly to it, and uh, he's direct about it, and I love it. Someone who is incapable of cruelty is a higher moral being than someone who is capable of cruelty. And I would say, and this follows Jung as well, that that's incorrect and it's dangerously incorrect because if you are not capable of cruelty, you are absolutely a victim to anyone who is. And so part of the reason that people go watch anti-heroes and villains is because there's a part of them crying out for the incorporation of the monster within them which is what gives them strength of character and self-respect because it's impossible to respect yourself until you grow teeth and if you grow teeth then you realize that you're somewhat dangerous and or maybe somewhat seriously dangerous and then you might be more willing to demand that you treat yourself with respect and other people do the same thing and so that doesn't mean that being cruel is better than not being cruel. What it means is that being able to be cruel and then not being cruel is better than not being able to be cruel. Because in the first case, you're nothing but weak and naive. And in the second case, you're dangerous, but you have it under control. And, you know, a lot of martial arts concentrate on exactly that as part of their philosophy of training. It's like, we're not training you to fight. We're training you to be peaceful and awake and avoid fights. But if you happen to have to get in one, and, and I guess the philosophy also is, is that if you're competent at fighting, that actually decreases the probability that you're going to have to fight because when someone pushes you, you'll be able to respond with confidence. You guys ever heard that saying, I'd rather be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in war? That's what he's getting at. Um, the, like training to fight is not about, you know, being that douchebag or uh, being being that 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 
bully that goes around beating up people because they have the skills to. It's about preparing yourself and keeping your composure and being peaceful, being that peaceful person. But if you have to be that monster, that animal to attack or defend yourself or defend others, you can. And uh, that's why I find so ironic um, these days is the people that are the loudest, the people that are they, they puff out their chest and they try to show this dominance and they, they say they fight and all that when they brag about it are usually the people that have no idea how to fight or usually the people that um, never been hit in the face before um, and they're cocky and it's arrogance. Uh, it's, it's the quiet people. It's the quiet people that sit back and know what they're capable of doing and know their skills, but they don't show it unless they absolutely have to. And with any luck, and this is certainly the case with bullies, with any luck, a reasonable show of confidence, which is very much equivalent to a show of dominance, is going to be enough to make the bully back off. And so the strength that you develop in your monstrousness is actually the best guarantee of peace. And that's partly why Jung believed that it was necessary for people to integrate their shadow. And he said that was a terrible thing for people to attempt because the human shadow, which is all those things about yourself that you don't want to realize, reaches all the way to hell. And what he meant by that was it's through an analysis of your own shadow that you can come to understand why other people are capable, and you as well, of the sorts of terrible atrocities that characterized, let's say, the 20th century. And without that understanding, there's no possibility of bringing it under control. And it's also partly why the path to enlightenment and wisdom is seldom trod upon, because if it was all a matter of following your bliss and doing what made you happy, then everyone in the world would be a paragon of wisdom, but it's not that at all. It's, the, it's a matter of facing the thing you least want to face. And everyone has that old, there's this old story in King Arthur where the knights go off to look for the Holy Grail which is either the cup that Christ drank out of at the Last Supper or the cup into which the blood that gushed from his side was poured when he was crucified. The stories vary, but it's, it's basically a, a holy object like the phoenix in some sense that's representation, a representation of transformation. So it's, a, it's an ideal and so King Arthur's knights who sit at a round table because they're all roughly equal go off to find the most valuable thing and they and where do you look for the most valuable thing when you don't know where it is well each of the knights looks at the forest surrounding the castle and enters the forest at the point that looks darkest to him and that's a good thing to understand because the gateway to wisdom and the gateway to the development of personality which is exactly the same thing is precisely through the portal that you do not want to climb through and the reason for that is actually quite technical this is a union presupposition too is that well there's a bunch of things about you that are underdeveloped and a lot of those things are because there's things you've avoided looking at because you don't want to look at them and there's parts of you you've avoided developing because it's hard for you to develop those parts and so it's, it's by virtual necessity that what you need is where you don't want to look because that's where you've kept it and so and that's why there's you know an idiosyncratic element of it for everyone your particular place of enlightenment and terror is not going to be the same as yours except that they're both places of enlightenment and terror so they're equivalent at one level of analysis and and different at another so anyways back to fiction and and and, and what it does it it distills 
truth and it, it, it produces characters that are composites and the more they become composites the more they approximate a mythological character and so they become more and more universally true and more and more approximating religious deities but the problem with that is they become more and more distant from individual experience and so with literature there's this very tight line where you need to make the character more than merely human but not so much of a god that you know one of the things that happened to superman in the 1980s superman started out he's got a heavenly set of parents but by the way and an earthly set of parents and he's an orphan like harry potter very common theme is that when superman first emerged he could only jump over buildings you know and maybe he could stop a locomotive but by the time the 1980s rolled around like he could juggle planets and you know swallow hydrogen bombs and you know he could do anything well people stopped buying the superman comics because how interesting is that it's like something horrible happens and superman deals with it and and something else horrible happens and superman deals with it and it's like that's dull he turned into such an archetype he was basically the omniscient omnipresent om omnipotent god and that's no fun it's like god wins and then god wins again and then again god wins and you know so then they had to weaken him in different ways with kryptonite you know so green kryptonite kind of made him sick and red kryptonite i think kind of mutated him if i remember correctly and anyways they had to introduce flaws into his character so that there could be some damn plot and that's something to think about you know there's a deep existential lesson in that in that your being is limited and, and flawed and, and fragile. Um, you're like the genie, which is genius in the little tiny, in the little tiny uh, lamp, you know, this immense potential, but constrained in this tiny little living space, as Robin Williams said when he played the genie in Aladdin. But the fact that you have limitations means that the plot of your life is the overcoming of those limitations and that if you didn't have limitations well there wouldn't be a plot and maybe there would be no life and so that's part of the reason why perhaps you have to accept the fact that you're flawed and insufficient and and live with it and consider it a precondition for being it's at least a reasonable it's a reasonable idea so anyways it always has two elements i mean there's the good tyrant or the bad tyrant and the good king and those are archetypal figures and that's because they're always true and they're always true simultaneously you know which is partly why i object to the notion of the patriarchy because it's the apprehension of a mythological trope which is that of the evil tyrant without any appreciation for the fact that the archetype actually has two parts and the other part is the wise king and you know you can tell an evil tyrant story about culture no problem but it's one-sided and, and that's very dangerous because you don't want to forget all the good things that you have while you're criticizing all the ways that things are in error. That's a lack of gratitude and it's a lack of wisdom and it's, it's founded in resentment and it's, it's very dangerous. Uh, both per That's crazy people actually do that. Like, that's absolutely crazy. If you honestly hate a country so much, you're burning a flag in that country, which I think that's in the country. Uh, don't doubt it. Just leave the damn country. Like, just get out of it. Personally and socially.
Yeah, really interesting stuff. Really interesting stuff. And in a, in a sense, too, the the kryptonite, you know, Superman's kryptonite, our kryptonite as people uh, with limitations is simply caring about what other people think of you. And I used to be the absolute biggest victim in that. Uh, I would... Maybe some of y'all have done this too, but purposely go in a wrong direction to make it look like you didn't make a mistake. And then it affects you in the short term or even long term because you don't want people to know you made a mistake. Like you care about so much of what someone else thinks of you for your reputation that you just continue on doing it until it dwindles away or they're not paying attention and you stop doing it. Uh, caring about, I don't know, like people caring about what you're doing is 90% of the time never happening. Uh, like, for instance, going to the gym and there's a new piece of equipment. It actually, I think it was like four or five weeks ago. It was pretty interesting. I was watching. Uh, it was a interesting uh, thing to experience. Was the gym I go to has the same equipment it has for years. It got a new... It had it got a new equipment. I think it was like a chess machine. Yeah, it was a chess machine. Um, but it was like a whole bunch of apes, or it was like a whole bunch of cavemen, looking around at this machine. They were like, they were like looking at it, but they were trying to look cool and masculine in a way that it didn't look like they wanted to show people they didn't know what they were doing or how to use that equipment, so they didn't use it. They they were avoiding using it because they didn't want people to think they didn't know how to use it, but everyone else didn't know how to use it. So I see this moment, I see it, and it's exposed. I'm like, this is a perfect um, perfect time for me to go up and see how the hell you use this machine. And it's crazy, uh, because they, <laughs> I, I went up to the machine, and I was looking around. There's, like, no, like, picture manual. You know how they have on, like, machines? Uh and I was like, what? I was like, how the fuck do you use this thing? I was like, there's no like weights on it, but it's like one of those lever pulleys. You have to push down with your foot, and it pushes the weight on you, and you use it until um, exhaustion. Then you put that lever down, and it holds it. I use it. I figure it out. I do my sets and all that, but as I'm doing my sets, there's people just like looking. They're like trying to look at how it's used so they can get a glimpse of how it's used before they go and use it. And I thought that was real funny, and I did my sets on it, and I learned how to use it. And I don't, I don't care about that stuff or what people think. Like I didn't know how to use it. You got to be humble. And, but the second I got off of it, everyone else started getting in line to try to use it and figure it out because I was that first person to open up that gate to use it. And that, it, I think that's crazy. That's that's like. That's kryptonite to a person. You know, that's just it's it keeps you down and shackled, almost like cinder blocks tied to your ankles, floating down and drowning in a river of caring about what people think of you. And you know, at the end of the day, you mess up, you do something wrong. Most likely not a lot of people are gonna remember it. It may, you know, it may be a thing where uh it gets talked about in some situations. Like for me, perfect example. I have no idea about computers. 
None at all. But all these videos I'm making are off of PC. Uh, I, I, granted, I bought a pre-built PC and I've asked people for help and uh, asked one of my really good friends for help too. Um, he had to learn how to work on a PC as well. And I had, to, I had to take a lot of mentorship from other people to learn how to get this all set up because I had no idea how to use it. And there's were those people, um, old co-workers, and people that would just, you know, they're, they're just making fun of me. You know, that high school stuff. They're like, oh, you're, you're stupid. You don't know how to use a fucking computer. And I was having a lot of problems with audio, video, and all that, and it was just because of one of the programs I had. Um, and granted, you know, I, I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't know how to use this damn thing. You want to call me stupid? That's great. But I'm not going to purposely not get myself into it and get my feet wet in it because I care about what your opinion is of me. Because now I know a pretty good portion of how to run this. I can run this now. And when something goes wrong, I know how to fix it. And every single day that I'm on this thing, I, I learn it more and more. And, you know, and that's the thing. If I never, if I worried so much about what someone thought of me, and I never did this. I would have never learned it, and I'm never exposed to it. And that's that's our kryptonite. And you have to get over it. And you need to, like Jordan Peterson said, like you have to expose yourself to the things that are limiting you on being successful or moving forward. Your limitations. You got to find your limitations. Like the Holy Grail is hiding there. You got to find it. But you have to look into it. Don't avoid it. If you avoid it, you're never going to find it, and you're never going to move forward. And I just I find it amazing because uh, letting people dictate your life from their opinions is affecting a lot of people. And I just – but it, it goes both ways too because that one person thinks they don't want them to – this person to think bad about them or think they're stupid, but that other person is thinking the same thing about that person. So – and they're just stuck in this rut. And it's just like, I see it from a, a third-person view a lot now because I was exposed to it. I dealt with it. I did it a lot. I learned to get out of it. I found my own personal holy grail. And now, since I've done that, I've, I see it in people now. And, and people get really expensive vehicles, too, and get incredibly deep in debt to look rich. So, so other people think that they're rich and they're in debt. So they're rolling around their new brand new car, whatever the case may be. And they're like, wow, that dude has a nice car. That dude probably makes good money. He's in debt, man. Like he's in, he's in deep debt, but he wants people to think he's rich. And that's not, that's, that's terrible. That's just being, that's being brought down in chains and, and shackles and being locked down in life and that's that's not good at all and Jordan Peterson just explains it so well with uh, finding finding yourself and um, finding the truth and making that a relationship because the other kryptonite too sorry I gotta adjust like this damn decision man it really hurts oh the other thing, too, is loving yourself. Self-positivity is a very big thing. And loving yourself comes with finding out the truth about yourself and 
opening up that gateway of forgiving whatever you've done whatever's holding you back whatever those burn marks are that are still healing you have to quit looking in the other direction face it forward head on and deal with it so you can get over it and move on but as, as long as you don't love yourself you look yourself in the mirror and you say i hate you you look like shit and granted saying if you're fat and you look in the mirror and say you're fat you need to change this that's awesome that's something you need to do that's being in reality but if it's something that's from the past and something you did and you look in the mirror and say i hate you i'll never forgive you for this you don't even love yourself and can't forgive yourself how can you even move on if you're the person that's holding yourself from moving on it's a war inside your own head that's grabbing you and um, it's like a teeter-totter of moving forward and getting pushed back. So that's what I did. I had to face all my problems head on. And um, it, it was painful. It was very painful. But you get through that storm and you get out of it. And you start finding yourself. You start finding that holy grail that you were looking for. That, that thing that you needed to forgive yourself. But, you know, I'm going through all this stuff and all these injuries, and I've, I'm, I'm knocked down. I'm at the point right now where I'm knocked down from what happened uh, with my surgery. I got a tube that's coming out of my back that's pouring blood into a bulb. Not pouring, but it's dripping blood. You know, it's draining. Um, it's stitched up to stay in my skin. And right now I'm leaning on it. It's hitting the chair. It's painful. You know, that... It's here. It's reality. It's not going away for a while. Accept it. You know, you, you don't just don't hurdle up and uh, not care. But I look myself in the mirror and I see the progress go away and I'm losing muscle and I'm just I'm not who I want to be right now. And I look at myself and I still smile. And because I'm happy, I'm alive, I'm I'm somewhat in good shape uh, right now. may not show it physically, but uh, mentally I'm in good shape. And mentally I love myself and I forgive myself for any bad thing I've done. And because that was the past. And now I'm moving forward. And all the bad things that's happened in your life is in the past. All the bad things you've done in your life is in the past. But if you beat yourself up on it, you're never going to move forward. And you're never going to love yourself. And blaming yourself is the exact opposite of what you need mentally and physically. It takes a physical toll on you as well. Uh, but, no, that Jordan Peterson's a great guy. Like I said, uh, I put... I put his stuff in the description so you can watch it. I think he has podcasts as well um, on Spotify too, and, and Apple, I believe. Uh, this dude right here, I mean, he's my mentor. Uh, uh, he's very inspiring. I, I I follow him very closely, and if you haven't heard of him, you heard of him now, and you, we like him. That's awesome. Uh, he's helped me out in a lot of ways. But no, I I appreciate y'all listening to this and. Uh, this is mostly going to be really good for Spotify. If you've watched this whole thing on YouTube, uh, good on you, honestly. Like, I think I have like 10 subscribers. Like, I'm, 
I've still no, I'm still nothing in in the system. I just don't I don't care. Um, I don't care what people think, and I don't care what statistics say of numbers. Um, reality's reality. I'm here. I I forgive myself. I love myself, and I'm truthful to myself now. And this is inspiring to me. And it's a shell that I broke out, and I'm going to do this. And I this is my holy grail. I found this passion, and I love it. And it's, you know, it doesn't have to be about this, you know, this motivational persona, like, constantly talking about, like, getting over bad stuff. Like, I just love the podcast to be able to talk about what's happened to me and my experiences, but also at the same time, get to the point where I can listen to other people and have conversations on podcasts, share laughs, share very emotional stories, and to be able to connect with that and to broadcast it in a way that it helps people. And that that's what I'm going to do. And I'm so excited for it. It takes it just takes progress. People they have dreams and if they get over cuz there's multiple phases, but if you get over that hump of not caring what people think of you and you go and pursue your dream and you you give it all you have one day and you give out a product and it gets no recognition. A lot of them quit. Like, a lot of them just stop doing it, and they're like, ah, well, I put everything into it for that day. It didn't work. And then they don't do it, and they go back into their little kennel and live their life. And it takes a lot of dedication, and it takes a lot of hours and learning and reading and listening and being humble to pursue your dream. And one day it will be successful, and it will be all worth it. So... Thank you so much for listening. Uh, again, I have my Spotify now. All this will be on the audio on Spotify uh, by tomorrow. So the link is in the description um, to listen there. And I'll also put Jordan Peterson's description there of anything he has for podcasts, Spotify, whatever the case may be. I'll put him down there too so you can listen to him. Uh, but thank you so much for listening. Um, it may be a couple of days until I do my next podcast uh, just because of this tube and I have to constantly address it and to, to move forward and heal from it uh, next couple of days. Also, Instagram. I have like seven, eight followers on Instagram, but I made an Instagram for the Silent War podcast. So please go follow it. Um, it's more in depth, like I said, in my life. Um, I took pictures like out when I was done with my surgery. Uh, I have pictures of my motorcycle on there that I love near and dear to my heart. Um, my motorcycle is very good to me. Now, one of the podcasts will eventually be about hobbies and, like, finding things that you take pride in um, that's away from your, your career and your goals. Uh, but, no, you'll go follow it. Uh, it's it's going to be a really, really good thing. And uh, this whole thing is going to be a good thing. This is going to be, um, you know, we're not even at that five video mark yet. And... Uh, this could be the third video, and I I'm excited. I really am, and I'm so glad I did this, and I hope this shows y'all that it's worth it to do it. No matter how long it takes to get recognition, it's worth worth it. So thank you so much for listening, and please, 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 please forgive yourself for what happened. Love yourself. Find the truth. Face the problems head on. Get over it with yourself and move forward. And don't let those burn scars burn forever. They got to heal.
but you got to face the problems head on for them to heal. So thank you so much for listening. Peace.